Hi everyone, I'm Sofia, the founder of Vona and a host of this podcast, Vona Talks. Vona is a consultancy and education platform with a focus on climate, gender, security and intersection between them. In this podcast, we bring unique and underrepresented as well as more known voices of diverse experts, activists and storytellers. Welcome to Wanna Talks, and it is the start of 2024. And just a quick reminder that Wanna Talks is a podcast on climate, gender, and security intersection. And it is our first episode this year, so we decided to make it special one and getting you acquainted with a special person in my life and in the life of Wanna these days, and hopefully the days, weeks, and years to come. Um, about that, we're going to talk a bit more towards the end of the of this podcast episode. But for now, I want you to meet Maureen Walscott, who is a climate, gender and security expert and consultant. But I'm sure that Maureen going to introduce herself a little bit better. So Maureen, the floor is yours. Thank you, Sophia. And I'm really glad to be here with you today. So um, to present myself in a few words, I have been a researcher for the last 10 years, working mainly on environmental security issues um, and now currently working as a consultant on gender, climate and security uh, in Brussels, but also uh, working on the field across the globe. You are among a very few consultants who work on climate, gender, security, at least to my limited, probably still knowledge, but I'm still getting there. Um, where did your story start? Could you share more with us? How did you come up to work on climate, gender and security intersection these days? Well, that's a very interesting question because I actually asked this question to myself not long ago. So... I have been very much invested in environmental issues since I was, I would say, a kid or maybe a teenager. You know, I volunteered for Greenpeace. I did a lot of uh, of uh, volunteer work um, abroad uh, on environmental issues. Um, and I was also very much into feminist um, studies and, I mean, at least authors and ideas um, since a very young age as well. So I was reading a lot of Simone de Beauvoir or Virginie Despentes, like a lot of French authors before I could read or, or speak English. <laughs> but, um, you know, so at these two, you know, I would say worlds um, have been very important in my life uh, since a very young age. And, but they were very much um, separate from one another. Um, and then when I went to study at university, I went to study political sciences and um, any topic I could work on, any paper I could submit, I did it on environmental security issues. Um, and then when I finished my studies, I did a PhD in international relations and geography. Um, and I worked mainly on transboundary water management um, during my research. Um, and I've been always passionate about, you know, these uh, environmental issues, but then I was okay. Like, why not trying to actually cross the two, these two worlds, uh, of mine that is gender. And also like a few days, a few days, a few years after, um, I started my PhD, I also started an NGO, uh, on gender visibility, um, in, in Brussels and in Europe, which I'm not 
part of anymore, but, you know, working a lot on gender issues as well. So at some point in my career, I was like, I should maybe maybe try to, you know, make these, these two worlds cross. Um, and that's when I started to work on gender and, and climate uh, security issues. Um, and I started through mainly water because that's, you know, my uh, my expertise. So I worked um, on gender and uh, water diplomacy. I also worked um, on gender, the gender aspect of um, ocean pollution, uh, plastic pollution of oceans and so on. Um, and yeah, and since then, since then it has been, uh, you know, like... I would say opening the door of um, the actual work that I'm doing, which is very much, um, um, you know, I think the reason why I'm here also on this uh, on this planet, um, yeah, it has been, uh, I would say, mind changing and mind blowing. I love that you found the reason why you are on this planet already. That keeps me reassuring when I'm questioning my things and thinking, oh, is it is it the thing that I'm doing right now? Is is it a right one or should I be doing more? Or I mean, I think we always can do more. Um, but I'm very got curious about um, water security and the gender aspect of all of this because I don't think at this podcast we talked yet about the water security aspect of of climate and environment in general. So could you share a bit maybe more about this? And I know that you recently came from a project in Nicaragua in, and in Latin America in general. So maybe you could connect a bit to what are the gender aspects on water security? Why is it important? And maybe give some examples from the region. Yeah, so I've been involved in Latin America for a long time. Um, I did some uh, Erasmus Mundus exchanges in Mexico and Chile, where I worked on environmental issues uh, already at the time, especially on water. Um, so there is a lot to say when it comes to gender and, and water management. Um, I would say first and foremost, because women, due to structural, social you know, factors, are still the main uh, providers of, of water when it comes, you know, to the to the household household and so on. Um, but they're also the first, I would say, to be impacted if there is um, a change or an effect of climate change, for example, droughts or floods. Um, again, because of structural and social uh, factors, uh, they're the first to be impacted by these uh, these effects of, of environmental insecurity. I would say. So, um, and Latin America was a very interesting case because, well, obviously you have dropped like water scarcity issues, um, but uh, the region in general, and that's a very generic term, but like in general, um, is more characterized by water abundance. So there is water in Latin America. There are places where you have, you know, drought issues, Chile, uh, for example, but also Mexico. So it's a very diverse, I would say, um, place to actually study um, water management, especially transboundary water management, which is, you know, what I also focus on. Um, and when it comes to gender, I would say the additional aspect of Latin America is that is a, it is a very um, patriarchal, um, heavily patriarchal uh, society still, even though there are feminist movements a lot in Argentina, Mexico, like Brazil, it's it's uh, it's coming up, but like uh, it has been coming up for a long time, but it's still a very patriarchal um, society. Um, and so there are a lot of obstacles, um, challenges for women to take part in water management in everyday water management uh, in Latin America. 
So the idea, like the project I did in Central America, which is, you know, a sub-region, I would say, in, in Latin America. And um, the project was to actually um, go on the field and conduct interviews with uh, local female organizations um, discussing the challenges and the opportunities as well, because women are also uh, agents of, you know, the change that is needed to uh, to fight climate change and and to um, to better manage uh, transbody water. So the six months project was um, to actually go in the seven countries of Central America, meet with these organizations, interview them, discuss you know what would be um, what are the actual challenges. And a lot of these challenges come from um, again structural factors. So education opportunities in jobs as well um, because there are not that many uh, female uh, I would say um, actors in you know engineering and, and so on like um, sectors um, so a lot of these uh, structural factors but also like very much social factors as well like I, me- I mentioned uh, this uh, you know very heavy patriarchal system and and so on in the region um, so I got to meet these women um, and again, I was focusing on transboundary water management, uh, which means it, you know, the and especially like more specifically, I was working on underground water, so ground um, aquifers, uh, we say, um, because there are a number of aquifers in Central America, and at the moment there is not much um, transboundary cooperation over them, um, but they are overexploited, they are polluted, and so on. And so there is an input, there is a movement from at the regional level. Um, there is a commission that works on, on, on the environment in Central America. And there is an input to really, you know, integrate a better, um, I would say, water management uh, practice within the, the region. Um, so there is this movement coming from the top. And then you also have a movement coming from, you know, the bottom, which is more localized um, and grassroots, I would say, uh, action. Um, and there is like this gap in between. So, yeah, I was really trying to, you know, see how we could feed this um, movement going from the top with these knowledge and so on, you know, from the, the local uh, level and, and see how the, the regional um, action would could actually help as well uh, you know, through the states uh, to to better, um, to empower, to enhance the work of these uh, local organizations. So it was a very intense, uh, I would say, research uh, field trip because I think six months for the seven countries was a bit maybe a, a bit intense, like in terms of like, you know, uh, like time-wise and distances as well. Uh, but it was very, very fulfilling. Um and um, yeah, so that that was part of a project that I did with the UNESCO on transboundary water management um, uh, in Central America. And so I came back from this trip, um, and the, the the trip you mentioned in Nicaragua was a follow up trip, um, like a, we call that restitution restitution workshops. Um, to actually, you know, it's it's one thing to go and collect data and process data from, you know, these uh, local organizations and with stakeholders on the ground. But it's also, you know, another thing to uh, come up with, okay, what are the results and, and how they can actually use it, uh, you know, as well in their day-to-day uh, practice in, uh, in water management. 
And what would be the opportunities and the recommendations that you came up? Because I feel like I still heard more the challenges. And then it's I'm I'm curious also about that follow-up project. So I assume you came up with some ideas on how to support the communities and or maybe not only communities, but also the governments and other organizations um, on how they could improve this transboundary cooperation. So yeah, very good question, and I maybe it was not very clear on my side. But um, so the main, again, because of these structural uh, challenges, um, the 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 main outcome of this research was that the main like the I would I don't know if it's the easiest way, but the most effective way to overcome these obstacles is really through this regional you know, inputs. It's a bit like with the Moment Peace and Security Agenda, you know, you have like uh, some kind of a framework coming from the top and then you ask the, the states to actually apply it, you know, and uh, and uh, adopt it and, and, and um, put it into practice, I would say, uh, at, the, at the national level. So it's, again, very much how it works in that case as well, how the regional level, and that's actually what is lacking still now, and that's also uh, why um, we did this research, it was to provide also the regional organizations with these uh, recommendations on how to better help these communities and at the very local level. Uh, can be, you know, fundings, can be um, like help of, uh, I don't know, again, workshops or on your know, talks or discussions, consultations um, with like the mediation, I would say also between the different stakeholders. Um, but that is the main, um, I would say, opportunity that there is, because as long as we don't. So the idea is really to go to go from the regional level to the national level so that it has an impact on the local level. But um as, and that was one of the main out, like outcome or finding, findings from this uh, study is that as long as we don't change this very heavy patriarchal structure of the society in itself, like societies, even though I don't, you know, not all societies in Central America are the same, obviously not, but um, um, some points are very similar. So as long as we don't, uh, you know, have this change of the structure itself, it's very complicated to... Um, to to obtain i would i would say changes uh, on the at the local level but again and also one another opportunity is you know if we can change this participation of women at the table uh, when it comes to transboundary water management uh, diplomacy in general um, you know one opportunity is that by inducing more of this you know gendering uh, water management um, it also gives a better i would say um, reflection of women's and, and and marginalized communities and you know minorities needs uh, at the table and also better representation um, you know visibility of actually you know that women can take part to uh, these uh, tables and discussion and so on so yeah it's it was a very interesting uh, project and because sometimes people ask me you know what, what are an interesting finding or a fun fact about this project and um it's really at the end of the six month. I was uh, I felt like I turned into my own uh, research subject, kinda, um, because it was very, very. Um, I, I, it was not a backlash, but um, I would say I had a lot of trouble sometimes to you know get to a lot of male uh, audience 
the the understanding of why I was doing this, and you know, and and also because I'm a female, uh, so like coming from you know outside of the region, I also um, had to uh, I would say overcome some challenges, you know, when it came to uh, the perception of what I was doing and so on. So yeah, very interesting, very um, challenging as well. But you know, that's also why I do what I do. <laughs> so yeah. <laughs> I, I love how how you talked about representation through participation type of thing by giving and like just by showcasing what women anyways do on a daily basis and participate, maybe giving them more opportunities and more, yeah, more, more opportunities to engage and to actually become more visible in that way they can become more represented and valued for the work that they do. And maybe also not at only at the local level, but at the higher national and and regional levels as well and on credibility i mean yeah i hope the podcast right now is going to give you as well some credibility um at least among our listeners but i think that it's something we we always struggle with and i wonder if there will ever be a day when we will just listen to each other just because we have something interesting and different maybe to share and not just only the titles and organizations that we represent um this is also one of the ideas for this podcast that i started was more i mean of course we we also have a lot of people who represent amazing organizations and do amazing work because i do not want to say that those organizations are not doing the work but there are also many people there that are either on the ground or more at the i don't know not behind the the known names that we have heard on on a daily basis, but they still do amazing job, and um, I would want those people to also be heard and and yeah and represented. Um, so the project in Latin America, I understand, is finished. Uh, are there any similar research projects you're working on currently around the world? Yeah, so I um, I finished this this uh, project in Central America and I'm now currently working on a project for an NGO in Afghanistan Um, that's an ongoing project where we look at ways to better protect marginalized communities affected by climate change uh, uh, effects um, with the additional I would say factor of them living in armed groups and de facto authorities controlled areas so the talibans and other armed groups right now in afghanistan um so yeah it's it's a very interesting project it's an ongoing project so i can't really say much more but it's um it's again looking at you know how minorities or vulnerable marginalized communities are more impacted again because of these, you know, structural factors uh, by the effects of climate change, and that includes uh, women and children, uh, which also, especially when it comes to women in Afghanistan, is a very uh, sensitive topic. Um, so yes, the, the project itself it's not uh, like I would say the the main project is not gender, climate, and security. It's it's very much uh, climate, security, and and you know marginalized communities oriented. But uh, there is a obviously because of these you know um, factors, there is a heavy component um, to like to focus on women and children uh, when it comes to uh, to uh, you know find better um, protection for them. So the idea is really to um, 
well, get the international community involved um, because there is, you know, much to do, um, especially when it comes to green fundings and so on. Um, but also to involve um, these armed groups and de facto authorities, uh, you know, in the protection of these communities. So this is the actual, the, the ongoing project I'm working on at the moment in Afghanistan. Quite a challenging one as well, if if not more challenging for sure. And uh, I think I would want to hear of it more once it's finished. But I think that this is also one of the biggest, I'm by far not an expert on Afghanistan beyond reading the news. So I do not even want to, to say too much on the region because I know that when we have wars and conflicts starting, people usually turn into into experts and start commenting. But I surely hear a lot about on how to support communities and also marginalized communities in countries like Afghanistan, where you have limited access to funding opportunities of actually people who are on the ground and who are very much in need of international support um, in the situations like this. And I think climate or climate topics are probably not the main priorities usually for, for those type of organizations who work internationally. So it's good to hear that there is something going on on that front and that people are are going to be I, I don't want to say taken care of because it sounds too patronizing um, but yeah I think that the idea is is there so hopefully we're going to hear more about it once the project is over also to the extent that you can share um, but now I think we're smoothly running to the second part of, of our podcast episode because both of us, in addition to doing the consultancy work, which we also try to do more of together uh, this year and years to come, uh, we also have decided to expand the community of climate, gender, security enthusiasts and experts and maybe try to get this podcast and maybe some listeners of this podcast to meet in person or maybe online and engage a little bit more. So we have a few projects set up within WANA or maybe other organizations. We're still figuring out the legal implications of, of how we're going to do this. But maybe, Maureen, you can open the doors to our listeners and share some of the projects that we have been working on for the past few months and that are still, they're still cooking, so they're still not there. Um, but since it's our first episode in 2024 and the first one with Maureen, I thought that it would be nice to kind of reopen the doors. Also, hi to everyone who has been to our events last year. Um, thank you for joining those. And uh, yeah, we hope to see you more in 2024 for sure. So Maureen, which are the projects that we are working on? <laughs> Where to start? <laughs> I think we have a very uh, exciting uh, and long list of projects we want to do together. And um, if I can like slip a few words into this, uh, you know, conversation today, um, I must say that it's probably the the most um, bigger, like the biggest thing I'm looking forward to this year for 2024. All the projects we have together, because I think we have a, we had a very interesting, um, I would say, brainstorming at the start of the year a strategy meeting, which was very interesting. And very uh, energy uh, fueling, I would say. <laughs> so, um, among the big projects that we have for this uh, for this year, we have well, I would say maybe we can start with this uh, training um, idea that we have. Um, I mean, it's a bit more than an idea actually right now. But um, so um, yeah, so we came up 
with this project of um, building from scratch uh, a training for experts, but also non-experts, anyone that would be interested to learn more about uh, gender, climate and security. Um, so, well, we won't probably like share too much either because it's still a work in progress. But, um, but the idea is really to um, offer this uh, program, um, you know, for any, well, people, but also companies or, or organizations that want to, uh, to uh, get to know more the, uh, this uh, nexus between climate, gender and security uh, and to, to work on these issues. And, and we want to add also workshops on specific locations where we uh, got um, expertise and so on. Um, so that's something that's, uh, you know, that we can look forward to. And, and hopefully the people that are listening to us right now also can, uh, you know, um, discover more when we come with more information on that uh, on that topic. I don't know if you want to add anything on this. Uh... No, I think you perfectly kind of shared the idea. I think the only thing I might add is that we call it a training and it might sound very official and scary to many people, but I think that the idea would be very to in a very basic, if we may put it this way, uh, um, way to explain what is the intersection between climate, gender and security, because I do not know if that was your experience as well. But as I started officially working on the Nexus, I had a lot of people asking me, so what is the connection? How do you combine the three? Which type of projects you work where you actually manage to combine the three? And I would also say that I haven't always been combining the the triple nexus in all the things that I do, because indeed it's it's very hard to find it. And I think that we both understood that we need to have more people out there who at least are aware and care and have the basic instruments on how to implement it in their daily work, whether you work on only security or only climate or only gender or something completely different, you will be able to see that it actually has an effect in your professional and to some extent in personal life, no matter where you live, I guess, even for for Europeans or Americans, um, people who usually think that climate change is something out there. I mean, it, it's getting closer and security and gender issues for sure. I think that that one is not even under the question, hopefully, anymore. Um, but this is not the only product we are going to offer and reintroduce as of this year. Um, I think that if you are listening to this podcast, you might have already received the newsletter um, that we also reintroduced because we tried to or Vona tried to send a newsletter last year, but that took us a bit more efforts and a bit more time to actually realize where is the gap and um, what what is the gap there when it comes to climate, gender, security. And also there are just way too many newsletters, as it might seem, but we hope that you find ours being different and unique. Um, do you want to share maybe what is in the newsletter? Also for those who haven't read the newsletter just yet, Maybe not the content fully, but some some of the things that there will be out there to look forward to. So, yes, I think we try to cover a lot of different aspects, you know, that actually make the, the newsletter like um, uh, very, I don't know, like a very nice uh, product as well and, and something to share and, you know, to, to look forward to read uh, every month. So we will be providing an overview of 
you know, news that try to cover, you know, like the gender, uh, climate and security nexus, even though it's sometimes hard to actually, you know, find news that actually cover the three of them. Um, but, um, but we try. Um, so news mainly, um, we will also have uh, a section on, on podcast and reads recommendation, um, because I think we are both like very, you know, avid listeners and readers of online and, and, and not online, like paper material as well. So we will be sharing, you know, what we, um, we found like interesting or, or must read or must listen to. Um, also, we will be sharing, I would, I think, job, yeah, job opportunities, grants, fellowships, you know, anything that could uh, actually, you know, help anyone that's uh, that's in our field or that wants to join our field as well. <laughs> um, uh, so, so that's also another thing. Am I missing something else? I think that's enough of... <laughs> of sharing at this stage i mean there will be a lot uh coming in hopefully a lot uh we surely do work a lot on on a daily basis trying to share all those news that we receive in our mailboxes or we read on different platforms or news platforms as well um we're also very open to feedback i think it's also worth sharing also because we're a feminist organization and we really want everything that we do would be sort of a co-creation process um, so we don't do it only for ourselves, but it actually has to be useful for people out there, um, especially if we invest our time and dedication. So we are very, very open. If you join our events or find us on social media or anywhere else, just, just let us know what you think. Do you have any ideas? Do you want to cooperate? We're very open to partnerships this year as well some of them might even become very official ones so we are trying to figure out the legal parts to actually be able to also sort some legal partnerships with diverse type of organizations so just I think just to uh, to finalize it all if you are an enthusiast or an expert on climate gender security and you want to do something more on that this year might be one of the one of the triple nexuses or you you know what I mean, <laughs> uh, then just do not hesitate to reach out to us because I think we're starting up something big, hopefully, and we would be very happy to have you with us on that journey. And to finish this podcast episode, unless Maureen has anything else to share about, about the projects that we're cooking, but I think that it's just too much of information, so we also don't want to... <laughs> Maybe just on uh, the next event that we will have. Yes, feel free to share. I well, think we're still under the preparation. Yes. Because we want to see you very much in 2024 and we want to make it happen soonish. Yeah, so I think we, you know, one of the main um, intake from the last few events that we had is that people really like to come gather discuss and have this informal setting of you know yeah discussing with like expert non-experts anyone that's interested in these topics um and so definitely we want to have more of this uh for this year we want to you know connect people more and for us to connect with people more as well um so we are planning to have an event but i won't say more because uh, yeah that's uh, more will be coming in the newsletter so <laughs> exactly Either in the newsletter or surely in the social media and all the other means we use to promote the events. 
And that will be also in Brussels because we might have some people listening from outside of Brussels. But for 2024, we also plan to go a bit beyond Brussels. We will see if it's physically, but at least online or having some hybrid modes for the events to engage people from beyond, I think will be will be an intention as well for this year. So stay tuned if you were curious to get into the community, but probably physically cannot be in Brussels just yet. And to finish this podcast in a bit more traditional way already with all the speakers that I do, I, of course, thank you for your time and for your efforts to join in, to sharing the projects that you work on about the water transboundary management and the trips that you have been, research trips that you have been having. Also for being open to talk about our Vona projects. And of course, I'm grateful for our partnership. And uh, I do hope that it's going to bring many good things to us and to the world. Um, but I want to ask if there is any last message you want to share with with the listeners, anything that you want to, something to give hope, ideally, not, not to make people sad. Yeah, so I think it is more like a message of, you know, and I think you said it in, in the beginning of this podcast, like the the link or the intersection between climate, gender, and security is not always evident, um, or people won't put it as evident in a lot of situations. Um, and but it is, and I think you know, if you dig a bit into it, if you also think you know of your own like uh, experience, life experience, and so on, um, I think it is clear that the intersection is you know exists and is very strong in between these uh, three uh, components. So, you know, if you are in an expert, but then you probably know it already, but if you're just interested into it and into the topic, um, if you have people that come, because that was my case a lot in my work, especially when I was working in the academic sector, um, when I was, you know, saying that I was working on the climate security and gender um, nexus, um, people would always or often say, um, but what is the link between, for example, gender and, and transboundary water management? Um, and and I think, so my message is is more of just keep on, you know, keep on going with this uh, this nexus, keep on going on reading and, and on discussing and, and, and so on on this, on this topic, because it is, you know, uh, it is there. There is still obviously a lot of work to do in terms of visibility and research and data and so on. Um, but once you start to dig a little bit, <laughs> you just like realize that it's you know a lot um, of um, of things out there on the topic. And also the very interesting thing that I've you know had I would say in my uh, own career and and experiences, not even like you know in a personal uh, aspect as well. Once I would just start to explain um, how actually you know there is an intersection, there is a nexus between these uh, components. It, it would actually make sense to people. Um, so it's just a matter of, you know, putting this uh, out there and just explaining. And, um, and yeah, and then, you know, once you, once you open that door again, it's like I said, when my two worlds collided, <laughs> but once you open that door, you won't be able to close it again. And, uh, and that's, yeah, it's just like a very vast, um, I would say, you know, field or, or sector to to actually dig in and again can be like you know professionally speaking or personally speaking there's a lot a lot uh, to be discussed and and i think the best way is also to meet people 
um, that are interested or that work on that topic uh, and just exchange, you know, ideas and experiences and so on. Um, but yeah, so I think for me, connect is really the biggest, um, I would say, word for 2024 when it comes to our work, but also like to this topic of gender, climate and security nexus. I love it. Connect. So let's connect more with events, with podcasts, with everything else that we planned, with trainings as well. Um, and yeah, then we hope to see all of you more often. Thank you, Maureen, for your time. And we hope that we got you curious with everything that we have shared today and that you will be joining more of what we do this year. That was it for this episode. Now we would love to hear from you. Let us know who should be our next guest. Maybe it's you. To get engaged, go to our website, buona.international, where you will find a box to share with us your ideas and requests regarding next episodes. Also, subscribe to our monthly newsletter and follow us on social media. Talk soon! Music